0: Life Point Church, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing? Come on, we're glad to be together in church. I want to say a welcome to all of you who are here for the first time or first time back in a long time. We're glad that you're here. Welcome to Life Point Church. And those of you that are sitting in our lobby campus right now, we want to say welcome to you. We have a, a fix that we're going to be working on to help you get back in the room. There are some empty seats, and of course, any of you are welcome to be on stage with me. Just sit up here with a judgment face the whole time against all these people sitting on the floor, on, on the regular seats. Hey, and welcome to everybody who's joining us online. We're so grateful for, for you, and we are in a number of countries and cities around the, the U.S. We're just glad to be here. I want to ask everybody to do me a favor right now, take a deep breath, let it out, and just go, I can take this. I didn't write the Bible. I'm just going to preach it today. Thank you, Pastor Bo for praying over our church specifically um, related to just God's protection and spiritual warfare. We've had, um, I don't know, there's just, I have a sense that God is changing some things at life point and how many of you know, we, we have a real enemy that does not like what God's doing and he and his whole group of friends, you know what I'm saying? That there's, by the way, the devil is not the other side of God. It's not the yin to the yang. There's God who's amazingly awesome and powerful and authoritative and then all of his creation over in the corner is the devil. And we give him way too much power, but he does try to distract some stuff and he does try to mess with some things. And I just, uh, I just want you to know that I'm, I'm going to increase my prayer over you and your families and your kids and God's protection over you. And I'm going to tell you, um, I think the enemy, the devil would love to discourage the people of God, particularly from the house of God, from the mission of God. And here's what it looks like. It'll be anything from uh, sin, or discouragement, or distraction, or it'll be uh, bitterness, unforgiveness. It can be all kinds of things. And you have to be able to discern if what, what's happening in your life. Like, is God covering? Is God directing? I'm, I may be just completely speaking out of left field, giving a word to Stephanie here. Okay, just roll with this for a second. But i've just been hearing i've been getting calls i've been seeing i've been just watching and man god is growing his church here god is growing his church in clarksville god's doing something in your lives and man the 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 gates of hell hate it and god the gates of hell will never beat down the church and kill the church but the gates of hang on the gates of hell will surely come after christians and so you need to understand how to walk in god's authority in your life you need to the jesus said we have been given authority We don't have the authority to, you know, like be God, but we certainly have authority to trample over all the devil and all of his power and discouragement. And listen, we're just living in a day of discouragement. You know what I'm saying? Like anxiety, fear, worry, and uh, wokeism. Y'all are laughing about it, but I think it's really toxic. And I think it's demonically inspired. And I think um, you can't say anything now without being canceled or being a hater and having hate speech in your life. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm the one saying it. That's right, cancel him. We are, listen, though, I don't believe Christians can be possessed by the devil, but we can absolutely be attacked by the devil. We can be oppressed by the enemy. And culture has a way of creeping into the body of Christ. And we just have to be, we have to be mindful of that and be vigilant. And, and Paul says, take on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against all the schemes and strategies, strategies of the evil one. So, I, hey, I don't know who this is for. Maybe it's just for me. But if you're frustrated, offended, discouraged, or if you're under, like, physical attack right now. I, I, I got a, one of our leaders in the church, family member with cancerous tumors throughout his midsection. I got a, a buddy in our church yesterday. was on the phone two days ago with his brother in tip-top shape, a runner, soccer player, died of a heart attack in his chair the next day. I mean, just the, the devil hates you because you love Jesus. And we have to take authority over that, and I just want you to know, like, I'm praying over you, and and let's beef up our prayer together. Come on, that God use us, and he equip us, and cover us, and protect us. So, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you give your angels charge around us. We don't worship angels, but we'll certainly let them cover us and protect us. Psalm 91 says that you'll give your angels charge around us to watch over us and keep us and to protect us. And so, Lord, we thank you for that, and we take authority over all the power of the devil. In Jesus' name, Satan has no avenue in our life. You can't discourage us, distract us, frustrate us. You can't cause us to give into sin. We're only tempted in the things we like anyway. All you do is play on our desires, you punks. So get behind us in the name of Jesus. We resist you, according to James. We resist the temptation of the enemy. We resist the temptation of our flesh, believing God that the devil has to flee from us because we have authority. He's a loser, a punk, a defeated foe, and we stand against the chaos that is in our culture today because, God, we belong to a kingdom that is not of this world, and we will rejoice in the God of our youth. We will rejoice in the God of our salvation. We will rejoice in the truth that is Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, the life. God, we love you. Protect us, cover us, heal us, forgive us. God, deliver us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I love you, church. I'm just trying to be a good pastor here. Uh, if you're Wherever you're watching from or joining us from, Thank you for being here. If you're a guest with us, um, <clears throat> that was unusual, but that's okay. If you'll just connect with us somehow, there's a connection card in the seat back in front of you, or you can text 31996 and just text the letters LPC, and we'll send you a very simple follow-up. If you're good at ordering food at a restaurant with your phone, you can do a connection card with us here too, I promise. <laughs> uh, did anybody else struggle with that when that was a thing? I mean, I know I'm, I, I look really young and hip. I literally was like, at every time they'd say, scan this QR code, I'd scan it and nothing would happen. i get so frustrated. i go, can I get a paper menu, please, for the love of God, like old school? Can I get a paper menu? Well, there's a setting in your settings to turn your camera into a QR reader. Didn't know that, old man. And if you have a flip phone, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All right. Hey, I need to tell you, a big change is coming for us starting in two weeks. Everybody say, two weeks. Say, not next week. Some of you are going to miss this. But you ask for it and you obviously see in this room in particular, this is our biggest bottleneck and pressure point of our church right now is the crowd that comes at 945. So we have to make some adjustments. I've been talking about it all year. I teased our church in December about starting a super early service and going back to four services, which we have to do because our church is growing again and we're only in one location, not three. With COVID, we're not allowed to even have the conversation about getting back into our schools yet. And so unless any multimillionaire wants to drop us a new building, (laughs) I see you. (laughs) I'm just saying we have to manage what God has given us to grow. So we are adjusting our service times starting in two weeks. Uh, Currently, we are at 8 o'clock, 945 and 1130. This is our pressure point right here. It 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 hurts our check-in systems, our kid point systems, it hurts our parking lot. Everything's congested here. And what I don't want you to do is cancel us. Just stay with me, okay? Well, fine, then they don't want me here anyway. I do need your seat, but anyway, um <clears throat> so what we're doing is we're moving eight o'clock back a half an hour to seven thirty, and all my eight o'clock crowd was like super excited about going to seven thirty. It's crazy. And I'm like, I'm I'm going, I'm the one pre- it's hard on us. Like But, our hey, I want you to know that our volunteers that come on Sunday mornings, like your band, your worship team, your smoke and light people, and your camera operators and your sound, they're here at 6 o'clock in the morning getting church ready for you guys. So we want to thank you, production team and worship team. And this means they have to come even earlier. So don't ever complain about our band not screaming enough on the guitar. Could you scream a little more there, Ziggy? Like they're going to run four services, and they give like a whole workday. To come here. So thank you to all of our volunteers. But we're going to start now. We're asking our eight o'clock crowd to move to 7:30. Now, this is going to be the challenge, and I almost want to pull the room or split you, blue and red, or I don't know how to do it, but left and right. So this is our biggest crowd. We've got folks sitting in the lobby right now because this time is so full. And it's church in the south. I mean, this is the prime time when guests want to come and people want to come because y'all want to leave and go do whatever you want. I get it. So what we're doing is we're splitting this service, this 9.45 service into two time options, and you have to move, you don't get 9.45 anymore. Sorry, haha, deal with it. <laughs> so either come 45 minutes earlier or come 45 minutes later. Please, I'm not gonna make you stick to this, but just so I have an idea, how many of you think you might come at nine? Good, uh, 30, yeah, no, 10.30, who's quitting? I mean, that wasn't half the room, that wasn't like 50-50. <laughs> Who's not coming anymore? Forget this place. I'm going online. PJ's in a bedroom. One more time. 9 o'clock, just so I can kind of gauge. Okay. And then 1030, undecided. Great. (laughs) Well, you got to pick. You know what I'm saying? But we really need to split this. Normally when we add services, we just go pick a time. Well, we can't do that now. I really need you to be intentional, and I need you to stay in that time slot um, because we're at a room, and like it's fire code issues, and like it's not good socially right now to be in rooms this crowded. I, I hope you understand the pressure I'm feeling. <laughs> and then our 11:30 service, we're gonna ask them to come 30 minutes later. So the first two crowds are just gonna move 30 minutes earlier or 30 minutes later. But you guys have to split. So pick your time. 9 o'clock or 1030. And our hope is to close our lobby campus and get those folks back in the room, get them in here. And we need to raise a lot of money to build another campus on the north side of town. We bought property back at the end of the year. We paid cash for 12 acres right on exit one. And now we need, I don't know, 7 million, whatever. It's chump change to God. So it's really your money. So give it away so we can build another campus and I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm feeling like pretty wired up today for the message. In fact, uh, I'm about to preach my guts out. I, so new service time starts in, don't come up here next week at 9 going, what happened? You didn't listen. That's what happened. Next week, 9.45. It's going to be a great Sunday. It's our last time in three services. Then we're going to four. And then we're going to play with video and who gets live preaching and whatever. And it's just going to be, don't tell me no. If you want live preaching, you can come at 7.30. (laughs) Ha-ha, that's what I say. All right. Whew. Thank you for your giving. Thanks for loving Sam Johnson last week. Man, didn't he just fire you up? I'm going to tell you what. You guys were enabled us through your giving to give him $40,000 to build Bible colleges and schools, continue the work. And, uh, by the way, he texted me. The next day, he went to North Dakota and raised $350,000 more, which I'm like, why you got to, like, compare, Sam? My goodness. (laughs) And uh, he's preaching today in Bangor, Maine. That guy don't quit. I don't know about you, but at 82, I don't want to be collecting shells on the beach somewhere. I want to go hard for the Lord until he's done with me. The Bible says about David, he fulfilled God's assignment on his life for his entire generation. Sam texted me two days ago, and he said, keep me in prayer, Pastor. I'm asking the Lord. He's 82. He said, "I'm asking the Lord for eight more years, and then I might slow down." (laughs) Y'all are laughing, but I'm going, "What in the world am I doing with my life?" His assignment's not your assignment, but we serve the King of Glory, and we have an assignment until we stop breathing on this life. Right? Come on, everybody. Thank you for your giving. Man, Sam really moved us, and I want to jump right into the next passage in the Book of Acts. So we're in a long series in the Book of Acts, um, and and Acts chapter 1, we start on Easter Sunday. Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and he will empower you. He'll dwell in you. And this was a promise from the Garden of Eden that God God said, as soon as we fell into sin, he goes, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to be the one to to save them and and change their lives. Then Ezekiel and, and Jeremiah, we see this promise thread throughout scripture that the Spirit of God would come on the inside of us and dwell in us. And Jesus says, as his very last hurrah, his big last final speech, he says... To the disciples, stay in Jerusalem. The promise that God's been making for all these centuries is coming now. And it's that God, the Holy Spirit, would live in us. Listen to me, guys. You're not a Christian without the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Now, I know that rattles some of us that come from, like, traditions that are really afraid of Holy Spirit talk. Because you're wondering, like, where are the snakes? Well, they're in a box in the back. We're not getting them out today. Don't worry about it. It's not today. Tuesday. <laughs> Sam... Uh, Sam Johnson and I were laughing about this last week Uh, at lunch. He said that his chiropractor is a really conservative Southern Baptist guy in Knoxville. And so he was coming here to preach last week. And he said, I went to get adjusted on Friday. And I told my chiropractor, I was going to preach at this church in Clarksville. And uh, the guy was like, is it a symbol of God? Or like, is that one of the Pentecostal churches? And the guy was getting all worried. I don't, you know, I don't get it. But anyway, and Sam said, uh, the guy was like, will they have snakes there? (laughs) He literally asked him, like, with, like, some concern. And so I told Sam, I said, um, go to the pet store and buy a snake and bring it to your chiropractor and go, bro, I brought this back from my last weekend. I told him to do it. He said he laughed. He's like, ah, oh, I might do that. So if he does, I'll give you a photo. Um, isn't that funny? I think so. I've titled the message today as we move on, uh, God's Power in Us but for others. Whoa, did I go too far? Okay, there it is. God's power in us for others. Acts chapter one, now verse six through 11. Uh, When they'd come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. You need to underline verse eight a lot. In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. You might read the Bible and you go, that really happened? That is amazing. When I get to heaven, I got a couple stories from the Bible. I want to watch the footage. Like I want to see Jonah in the whale. You know what I'm saying? I want to see Noah build the ark and like the people pounding on the door. I just think that's that sounds really twisted that I want to watch that. I just want to see it. I want to watch that. I want to watch God speak cats into existence and then it not happen and go, ha, I told you all. It never happened. But I want to see this. I want to see when Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, which, by the way, is so theologically rich. I, I could talk about that for a long time. While they were gazing into heaven, verse 10, as he went, behold, two men, these are angels, stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus was taken up from you into heaven. He will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Lord, would you bless the reading of your word. Help me preach it in a way that's life-changing and convicting and would change our church to the glory of Jesus. To God be the glory, amen. I didn't write this text, but I'm about to preach it in a way that's I believe God's changing life point. You know, one of the, one of the things that we say here, we have a culture of change. One of the only constants is change, right, uh, at life point. And we're, we're a church that's all about change lives. I think God wants to do some things in us as we're moving into this next season. We, we got our comforts rattled in the last 12 months. We've got some, some um, idols had to fall in our lives of the way we expect church to be or what we expect from church, what it looks like, what it feels like, and all that kind of stuff. And I think the next season, the next 10 years of ministry here is going to look incredibly different, and it's going to look amazingly awesome. But it's going to require some change in us, some change in how we think and behave and act towards God and towards the thing of God, things of God. And some of you just may flat out not like it. But you're not God. And he gets to call the shots on this one. So I'm walking through this text and I'm thinking through like Jesus has given an assignment and he's given some direction. Anybody ever have a job to do but not the tools to do it? Has anybody ever been told, go somewhere, but you didn't know how to get there? I have been known to cut things with items that were not meant to cut things. Any um, butter knife screwdrivers in the house? Come on, anybody. Yeah, that's right. Why is it me and a bunch of ladies? That sounds terrible. But it's true. That's me. Um, I have been known to cut things with devices not meant to cut them. Uh, I remember one time, I'm not a handyman. Like I'm a man with hands, but I'm no handyman. One time my daughter's dresser broke, um, the particle board, you know, and and their dresser broke, and I didn't know what to do to fix it. I'm thinking, let's just buy another one. My wife's gone Dave Ramsey, and she goes, you're going to fix that. And I go, well, why do they need a drawer? You know what I'm saying? Like, just put it in a pile. So I went to the utility room of the house we were living in, which, so like over the washer and dryer was the box of stuff. Y'all know the box of stuff I'm talking about? Like screws and nails and screwdrivers and things that I didn't even know we had couple pocket knives in there, uh, some wood glue. I didn't grab the wood glue. I grabbed um, JB Weld, <laughs> which is to fix metal. And I thought, man, I'm going to fix this dresser. So I got JB Weld, didn't even know what it was, Googled it, figured out you mix the two things together, and then it makes this really hard metallic compound. I was like, brilliant. How do you fix wood? Metal. So I go... <laughs> And I I fixed her dresser with J.B. Weld, and I remember I I squeezed the knob into this goo putty of J.B. Weld and held it there for like 10 minutes going, this one's going to hold. This is amazing. I thought I built the Titanic. You know what I'm saying? Like I just put a knob. And I remember telling Stephanie, I was like, come look at this, what I did. Look at that. I was so proud. It's embarrassing. I'm not a handy guy. Like if you give me a job, I need the right tools. I need the diagram of pictures, no words. I just need to know the instructions on how to get it done. But here's the deal, though. I think this text is showing us God's assignment on our lives. You know, as Christians, we hear language like this. God has incredible plans for your life. Anybody heard that before? Yeah. I wish I knew where to find those plans. (laughs) Or I've heard these statements for years like God has some great purpose for you. He's got incredible plans for your life. And it's so vague, and it's meant to be inspiring and encouraging, but what are the plans of God for us? And truthfully, the plans of God are different for everybody, but there are some core things that are true for everyone. Like we are to love Jesus. We're to love God with all our mind, heart, soul, and strength. That's for everybody. You don't even have to pray about that. We're to obey the scripture. We're to live in a way that pleases God. There's some some settled things that scripture tells us about how to live for god and the plans that he has for us and as you read through the gospels there's this consistent message of jesus he said i'm going to suffer die resurrect i'm going to go to the right hand of the father i'm going to pray for you and i'm going to leave my spirit with you the holy spirit of god not just some vapor trail behind me it is my spirit actually left with you And god has uh, given us these instructions and by this point in the story Jesus is now resurrected from the dead. He's literally at the final moments with his disciples. He's about to ascend to the right hand of God the Father, which the Bible tells us he still sits there and prays for us and is preparing a place for us. So I want us to be well-informed today about God's assignment for our lives, and I want us to know full well how God is expecting us to complete this assignment. See, he has an assignment for us, but he's also given us the tools by which to get this done. And as we walk through this text, I want you to see first There is a part of this assignment that's just God's kingdom and God's timing. Before we get to what are we to do and how are we to do it, you got to understand something here. We are servants of the Most High God. We are servants of the King of kings, and we have assignments within his kingdom, and we have to learn to trust his timing. Go back to verse 6. It said, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Multiple times his disciples asked him about this. Will you build a palace? Would you put a throne here in Jerusalem and rule the world from here? Pastor Sam talked to us last week about this. He said they were hoping that that Jesus would overthrow Rome and rule from there. But Jesus is rather wanting to overthrow us and rule in us. So here again are the disciples going, will you now? I mean, think about it. Three times, I think, in the gospel, once James and John's mom came and asked, when you build your kingdom, can my boys be like your VP and your secretary of state? And he just keeps shaking his head like going, you don't get what I'm trying to do. I'm preaching a kingdom that's not like this world. It's a kingdom that's not of this world. It's a kingdom where I reign on the inside of you. And literally, as Jesus is on the way out, you ever ask people questions at the wrong time? You know what I'm saying? Hey, I know you, you got to get off, but I, got, I just got to ask you one more internally long question. <laughs> Jesus is like floating out, and they're like, will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus doesn't answer their question. He instead teaches them something else. He's brilliant. He responds not with yes or no or wait 10 weeks or, well, I'll get back to that. He, spe- he says to them, it's not for you to know times times or seasons that God the Father, look at this, has fixed by his own authority. Can I just tell you, there are some things, listen, God knows and you don't need to know. There are some things that God's doing and you don't need to know what he's doing. You know why? Because you're not God. There are some things that you don't get to know, some things that God thinks and that, that don't get to change what he thinks because you have an opinion about it. I love in the book of Job, you know, the the story of Job's life. It's really hard. It starts with Job was a devout man. He loved God. And the devils the one who really attacked Job. And, And through the journey of his life, you know, people are encouraging him to stay faithful to God, then discouraging him, and then telling him just curse God and die. And Job is like doing his best to hang on. And by the end of the story of Job, God has this conversation with Job. He's like, were you there when I hung the stars? Were you there when I built this whole universe? Hey, Job, hey, hey, who do you think you are? Like, are you God? No. Am I God? Yes. And some of us are so busy trying to figure God out, just let God be God. There are some things that we may not understand. Why is this happening in our politics? Why is this happening in our nation? Why are these things happening to me? Why isn't God moving at my pace? Some things, and Jesus is asking, answering their question about his movement by saying, you just be patient and let God be God. Some of the things we, 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 we are seeing happen in our culture, some of the things that we're just going, God, where are you? Jesus responds, there's some things that God just by his own authority has just, he's fixed. And you don't need to worry about those things. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? I love that Jesus is basically tell them, telling them, let God be God. Trust that God is good. Trust that God's bigger than you. Trust that he's God. He's king even without you. Did you know God? was God before you showed up? And some of us think we're God's gift to the world. God was God before you came. He'll be God when you're gone. (laughs) I just love that Jesus says, man, some of the things you just don't need to worry about. That seems consistent with the message of Jesus throughout his gospels. He says, don't worry about the things of this world. Don't worry about the kingdoms of this world. Don't worry about those things. But some of us have struggled that we have to figure God out completely before we'll do anything for him. Or we have to figure God out completely before we'll believe in him truly. Or we have to figure out why is God and what is God and where is God before we'll give ourselves to him freely. Can I just challenge you to chill out? Chill out. You don't get to boss God around, even in Jesus' name. (laughs) Some things are just not for us to know. I talked to a friend Uh, Yesterday, he called me, and his brother died suddenly, and this is like the sixth death of this man's family in the last three years. And he calls me, and his message said, my trials continue, Pastor. My brother, he said, I was on the phone with him the day before. He was healthy, a runner, soccer player, active, and he said the next day he died suddenly, and my friend is grieving and hurting. We prayed today in the lobby. And he says, I don't understand why this is happening to me. Anybody ever been in a place like that? And that's where the disciples are. They're trying to figure God out. Even on his way into the consummation of the end of this season of Jesus' life, God's fully God. Some things are just not for us to know right now. When is Jesus returning? Why is he doing it a certain way? What's happening in our world? Are these the signs of the end times? Listen, trust that God is king and trust that he knows what he's doing. He's not just sitting in heaven rolling dice. God knows what he's doing. If you'll pay attention to this Q&A, listen, Jesus didn't even answer their question. Instead, he taught them something. They asked if he was going to do something that they wanted, but he taught them that God does what he wants. He taught them, he knows that, that what God is doing is good and God is good all the time. And he knows what he's doing. Why? Because he, God, has all of the authority and he exercises it quite well. So, hey, church, just let me encourage you from this first part. Trust God. Trust the Lord. How are you doing with trusting God? I know, and I've had conversations as a pastor over 20 years. I've, just, I've had people struggle with trusting God because we demand answers of God. Trust God. Even when you can't see what he's up to, these disciples never got to see Jesus return in the flesh. But they still had to trust him anyway. You and I may get to see the Lord return in our own lifetimes. Wouldn't that be awesome? But don't lose your trust in God because he hasn't moved at your pace. Now comes my favorite passage of this, my favorite verse of this whole passage. So we're going to trust that God is working in his kingdom and in his timing. But look at this. We do receive the Spirit's power. And we receive the Spirit's power with a purpose. So watch this. They're asking the questions. Jesus has said in verses 1 through 5, he said, stay in Jerusalem until the promise comes, which is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God on the inside of us. And then they ask him about power and authority. They go, will you now establish your kingdom on earth? And now Jesus responds with, don't worry about, don't worry about that stuff. And then he says, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit, see, for for James and John, they wanted to be in authority because Jesus was ruling. But what Jesus says is you will receive power, but it's power from God when he's on the inside of you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And look at this. And you will be my witnesses. This You need to underline this. You will receive power. You will be my witness. Here's the assignment. Here's the how to do it. Here's the broken dresser. Here's the J.B. Weld. You will be my witness, but you're gonna do it in power. And a lot of times we get it backwards. We go, well, I have an assignment, but I don't know the how to. And, and Jesus said, Before I tell you what to do, I'm gonna tell you how to do it. You're gonna walk in my power. You're gonna receive my spirit. You're gonna do it by my strength, not your own. You will receive power when the spirit comes upon you. This this promise of the Bible, this promise of the Father. When the Spirit's in your life, you are empowered. And for what? To be a witness. And he he gives parameters as to where? In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, let me just slow read this for you because this is so loaded. I could do a three-week sermon series just on this verse. First of all, he's just said, don't worry about the future plans of God. It's not for you to know. It's not for you to understand. Just trust God. He said, but you will receive power. It's like he shifts our focus from what is God doing to what are we doing? The disciples are going, will God now set up his, his, his kingdom And Jesus is like, don't worry about what God's doing. Let me tell you what you're going to be doing. You're going to be my witness. You're going to tell other people about me. He shifts our focus from what God's doing to what are we doing. And listen, we can trust that God is all powerful and he has all authority, but we have all the power. Like, we have power from God. Now, we do not, we've not been given the authority of God to be God. Hello, everybody. Did you all know that? But we've been given the power of God to walk in his authority and to do what he's called us to do. The word for power is the same root word that we get for dynamite. And the idea here, the reason Jesus uses that word is he's suggesting that the power of God would be miraculous in nature. You know, it's a miracle to tell someone about Jesus and then give their lives to Christ. In Mark 16, this same telling of this Great Commission passage, Mark says... Jesus said, you'll receive power, you'll be my witness. And he says, you'll speak in new tongues, you'll lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Come on, that's miraculous power, isn't it? He said, you'll, you'll, you'll pick up deadly snakes and they won't hurt you and you'll drink poison and you won't die. By the way, pause, all the literalists need to reread your Bible. Never was Jesus saying, go pick up snakes and drink poison. That's called dumb. That's not faith, that's stupid. We don't ever test the Lord in that regard. Here's what he's using an allegory. He's using an analogy. He's basically saying, even when things are tough and things are dangerous, God will protect you. So maybe for some of us, picking up deadly snakes and not getting hurt is testifying about the gospel to your agnostic boss who has already told you that you will lose your job and your benefits if you bring that Jesus into the office here. But you know what? My Bible says I'll pick up deadly snakes and they won't hurt me. So I'm not concerned about what you say to me, boss lady. I don't care what you say to me, boss man. I'm going to be protected by God Almighty, not by what you say. Maybe drinking deadly poison is witnessing to your neighbor who's driven you crazy for all these years, and you go, God, why'd you give me this neighbor? And God goes, I love that neighbor so much, I gave you to him. And you're going to walk over to your neighbor's house, and you're going to pick up deadly snakes by telling them about the gospel, and they're not going to cancel you or kill you or burn your house down. It's an allegory, guys. Don't get all twisted. Anybody that thinks that we're snake handlers is just, that's buffoonery. That's crazy. Yes, I use the word buffoonery. Thank you. Dr. Burnett. (laughs) I got to use big words somehow, bless God. (laughs) I can make up words like George W. It's buffoonication. (laughs) Every time. Gets them every time. Hey, I want to say a shout out to my friend, The McCartys are here, Randall and Darlene. Love you guys. God bless you. Pastored a great church in Memphis for 40 years, 30 years, I don't know, 25 years, 100 years. He was there, and then she grew up in the youth group, and he married a young lady. (laughs) Glad to have you, man. God bless you. I love meeting generals of the faith and seeing people that just lasted a long time in ministry. That's one of my goals is to, to do ministry my whole life until I die. Thank you for that. Thanks for coming to church today. Are you spying on me? Is that the deal? Yeah, good. Looking for a job? I'll hire you, bro. <laughs> this man always smells amazing too, by the way. <laughs> Cologne, not be Anyway, let's move on. Focus. <laughs> Where was I at? Buffoonery. So Matthew's account of the Great Commission says, all authorities, gods, therefore you go. Mark's account of the Great Commission is, these signs will follow believers. They'll lay hands on the sick. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll... they'll um, preach the gospel. Luke's account of the Great Commission, all authority is God's, and you'll receive the power of God by the Holy Spirit of God to be a witness. Now, let me just school you on something here. This is where I'm going to push on you, and I'm probably going to make you mad, but I can take it. We have the power of God to do the work of God. Listen, the power of God is never about making you a better Christian. It's about making lost people become Christians. The, what, what do you need the power of God for to become a better version of, of a Christ follower? Like, you should grow because of your devotion and your humility and your study. But you don't need the power of God to become a better you. You need the power of God so that lost people can come to know him. This is not your power either. You're not just incanting your own goodness. You don't harness your untapped potential or somehow be able to, to do something all of a sudden. We're not the X-Men in a castle somewhere trying to develop our skills. God himself will entrust to us and endue us with the power of God, which means that He, we get to do great things for God because his power is working through us. Now look what he says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. One of the problems with our anti-Holy Spirit theology in the American church is we are also by nature being anti-Holy Spirit, we're anti-power of God. And we wonder why our churches are flatlining and why our our Christianity is so placid and why people in the world don't respect the God that we say we serve because we don't walk in the power of God. Paul writes in the Corinthians, he says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And listen, you can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So you better just buckle up and get ready. Let God have you. Let the Holy Spirit claim your life. Let God empower you. Now, you're not going to become Magneto or Iron Man shooting beams at your hand. What you are going to do is start being empowered to be a witness. Did you know the power of the Holy Spirit is all about that? But I I come from tradition where we want the power of the Holy Spirit to be more gifted, to do more things like, you know, whatever it is, whatever the gifts are. But the reason God has given us his power It's so that we're not trying to win people in our own strength and coercion. It's so that we're winning people to Christ by his power to be a witness. Listen, if you study this text in the Greek, you'll receive power, dynamite power, miraculous power by the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you will be my martyrs. That word you study is the word martyr. Well, that feels a lot different, doesn't it? And that made total sense to that audience when Jesus said, you will be martyred for this for me. In fact, every one of these disciples would end up being martyred, killed, or exiled for the sake of the gospel. It's one of the reasons we believe it's true. I mean, look, if they made up this resurrection story, as soon as you go threatening to cut my head off, I just, I was kidding. I made it up. It was a joke. Jesus said, the power of God is going to help you, and you'll be a martyr to this end. Peter, the first preacher, was actually crucified upside down in mockery of Jesus. Stephen was buried up to his waist in the middle of hundreds of people, and they stoned him to death saying, recant the gospel, recant the gospel. And they were literal martyrs for the faith of Jesus Christ. Pastor Sam shared the story last week. Hundreds of the pastors that we have launched out of our Bible colleges and training centers have been martyred in the last two years, killed for their faith. I wanted to bring a level of of heaviness to this text because that's the level in which Jesus, he didn't say you're just going to be a good witness, a Christian witness. You're just going to be a nice person who loves and tips well. Jesus does not give us his spirit to just be a good Christian. But that's what we've like limp-wristed, like we've, we've dumbed down Christianity to the point where it's just be nice. Be a good tipper. Like be weak about yourself and just, you know, open doors and just be stepped all over. That's not what he's talking about. You should be a good Christian. You should be nice. Please don't be a reckless driver with a life point sticker on the window. <laughs> That's not what he's talking about. He's saying you will receive my power to tell people about me, and here's the martyr piece even if it costs you something. Now, I'm going to push on you, church. Say, I can take it. We receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon us to be a witness, to be a a martyr. That means you may not die for your faith, but you may die to something. You may die to your schedule being inconvenienced. You may die to your pride. You may die to some money in your bank account because you're going to be a tither and a giver. You may sacrifice some parts of your lives, your own good, your own self, to make much of Jesus, even if it means making less of yourself. For a person to be a witness about Jesus, we've got to get out of the way. We are not the center of the gospel. Jesus is. But it's the power of the spirit that helps us be a witness to tell others about Christ. It's the power of the spirit that enables us to lay hands on the sick, to do the things that God's called us to and empowers us to overcome pride, fear, insecurity. It's the power of the spirit of God that will teach us what to say, remind us of his truths and help us tell others about the gospel. Let me just stop and ask you this question. When is the last time you told anybody about Jesus. Not when's the last time you thought about Jesus or prayed to the Lord. I mean, you're in church thinking about Jesus right now. When's the last time you told anybody? When's the last time you told your neighbor, man, God can change your life. told your coworker, man, I know what you're going through and the Lord can bring you out of that. He'll bring you hope. When's the last time you told your children, To put their controls down and spend some time with the Lord. When's the last time you told anybody about Jesus? The last time you shared the story of what God's done in you? When's the last time you invited someone to your small group? Or even invited them to church? Like, I feel like church invitation has become the new witness. But that is low-hanging fruit. That's the easiest thing in the world. We're in America, in the South. You will never offend anyone or they'll never tell you to your face. Maybe one in a hundred will be like, I don't go to church. I am not believe in that Jesus gospel. Great. Would you like to go to coffee? Because Hebrews. Come on now. We're going to talk about the Bible. I've never, listen, I've been in ministry 20 years. I've never met someone who I did their funeral because they were inviting people to church. Never. And we're so fearful. You will receive my power. To be a witness. You know what he didn't say? You'll receive my power to sing more worship songs. He didn't say you'll receive my power to be faithful in church attendance. He didn't say you'll receive my power to learn more about me. But isn't that kind of what Christianity has become? Church attendance, how much did I learn? We we gauge our whole Christian experience by how much we can get out of it. Is that a preacher that feeds me? Is that a church that meets my needs? And God help any church that might offend us. You're welcome. Like, when's the last time that we suffered anything so that others can know Jesus? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Christ gave his life for this. If you belong to Jesus, you belong to Acts 1-8. You don't get an out and say, well, that's just for the preachers, that's for the pastors, that's just for super Christians or real serious ones. If you belong to Jesus, you belong to this. You need the power of God, and you've been on, you're have on assignment to be a witness. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? Yes. Anybody mad at me yet? Anybody lying? <laughs> when, thank you. When's the last time you shared your faith, shared your gospel, shared an invitation? I'm not asking you the last time you were nice to somebody or gave money in the offering or prayed and read your Bible. Those things are amazing, but he didn't commission the church to go to church, pray and read our Bibles. He commissioned us to be a witness, to make disciples, to invite people to know Jesus. And then he said, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's just, it's, it's poetic language. He's like, start where you're at. Start in your neighborhood. Start in your house. Like, disciple your children and your spouse. Like, start where you are. Pray about where you're not and be willing to go wherever God calls you. Does that make sense? Start where you are. Pray about where you're not and be willing to go wherever God calls you. That's what he's saying. In in your town, in your home, in your first spot, look. Look at your social media, not for what you can copy and, like, comment on or whatever. Look at that as your first, that's your Jerusalem. Get your family relationships, your work relationships. Start where you are. Pray about where you're not and then go wherever God calls you. Finally, though we got to realize that we work while we wait. So the disciples are with Jesus asking them already about coming back. It's like, Get, be patient, man. Get off me. They go, will you now restore your kingdom to Jerusalem? And he goes, you'll receive power. You'll be my witness. And then it says in verse 9, when it said all these things. This is the end. This is Jesus is done. Peace out. He's Going back to heaven. When it said all these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up in a cloud took him out of their sight. Now, by the way, this is a whole thing we got to talk about. You got to understand, Jesus has ascended to the right hand of God the Father, according to John 14, according to Hebrews, according to Romans 4, 8. And it tells us he's praying for us all the time. What's Jesus doing? He's not just lounging around in a hot tub, drinking OJ. He's praying for us and the, God, the doctrine of ascension, the doctrine of, of, of resurrection and ascension says that Jesus bodily raised from the dead, and listen to this, he bodily rose to heaven, which is a mind trip. That means that human flesh, for the first time ever, is in the heavens. When Jesus said, I go prepare a place for you, it's because his physical body is now with him in heaven. When, when he says in Hebrews that he is the high priest, who can sympathize with our weakness. The scripture says he was tempted in every way we were, was never given into temptation. And every time you pray to God through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ himself is like, I remember that temptation. I remember the feeling of loneliness. Oh, I know that feeling of fear. Oh yeah, that lust for someone sexually. I knew that feeling because he was tempted in every way we were. And when he's praying for us and, and interceding on our behalf, we're praying. He, Hebrews says he is our high priest. He's our intermediary to God the Father. So when you're praying to God, Jesus is in the flesh and in the right hand of heaven going, I remember what that feels like. And that's how you can, by the power of the Spirit, overcome temptation in this world. Because Jesus has bodily resurrected and ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father praying for us all the time. You don't need some priest to pray for you. You need to go to Jesus and know that he's praying for you. But look what he says. While they were gazing into heaven, I don't know what else I would do either. You know what I'm saying? Like probably half of us would be watching it through a phone. <laughs> Shut up, Peter. I'm trying to put a filter on it, getting the selfie stick. While they were gazing into heaven, now two men stood by them in white robes. And they said, men of Galilee, I love their question. Oh, wait. They go, why do you stand here looking into heaven? No, it seems like a reasonable response that they'd be standing there staring at heaven. But understand the exchange that's happening. Jesus has been telling them for years, I'm going to leave. And now he's left and they can't stop staring at where he went. And this is our problem, church. We're so busy trying to figure him out, trying to learn more about him, going to church to feed us, looking to heaven. And the angels had to come back to these guys and go, why are you standing here staring up there? You got work to do. And I'm afraid where we've missed it as a church is we've done really good building our theology, building our knowledge base, building our worship culture, our prayer culture, All of that is looking to heaven. Colossians 2 says, set your gaze on things of heaven, right? Like, I get this. It's not bad. We want to grow in our knowledge and understanding and love of God. But the problem for these guys and for us is we get so busy trying to know more about God and understand him. Wasn't that what the problem was at the first part of this passage? They go, will you now? And Jesus said, don't worry about what God's doing. You worry about what you're doing. We get so heavenly minded. Listen to me, church. We're no longer good to people in this world. And here's the stats on that. Here's the proof of that. Our world is like falling apart. And people are not getting saved like they should be. And we're so busy trying to learn more about God. And do more materials and read more curriculum and worship the newest songs. And what's Maverick City put out this week? And we're so busy looking to God that we're not in the trenches working for God. In the power of God to be a witness for God. Does anybody else struggle with this besides me? He didn't say, you'll receive my spirit to know more about me. You'll receive my spirit to sing louder and sweat more. He didn't say, you'll receive my spirit to go to the big church. He said, you'll receive my spirit to be a witness. So, life point I just got to confess. I'm sorry that we've become a church that's so heavenly focused that we're not witnessing to our neighbors and our family and our community. We're going to always make room to be a church where people can come, but it's only at your invitation. I'm not ever inviting your neighbors. That's your job. I'm not ever discipling your coworkers. That's your problem. And we cannot be a church that gets so fat in knowing God and we got the best sermons and we got the best music and we got the biggest teaching and we got the biggest crowds who cares when i was in grad school i went to um i went to grad school with a buddy of mine he's a great friend hilarious i've never almost thrown up i laughed so hard as in with this guy and he was a former athlete high school athlete and college athlete and like he knew all like i was getting into working out as you can imagine and I, was, um, I remember going to the gym, and he'd always have advice on, like, what routines to do and what workouts to do and, like, how to get the best results and how you should eat and all the diet stuff. But he was, like, 150 pounds overweight and completely didn't work out at all. But he knew, he knew a ton because somewhere along the journey, he got full of knowledge, and he got full of, like, the right skills, but he was no longer living in those skills and practicing those skills. But he was able to give me that knowledge, though he himself wasn't doing it. And I think that's kind of like what's happened in the church in America. We've gotten really swelled. I mean, you miss a church, go get it online. We are overwhelmed with sermon clips and sermon spice and sermon audio and YouTube and you get on podcasts. We sing about everything. If you don't like this style, go get that style. We got Christian flavor, whatever your flavor is. We got it. We have wrestled through, fought through, debated through, written about, talked about every doctrine and every issue imaginable, and then we pick and choose our church. world and we pick and choose like who we're going to offend, with, like who we're going to do life with, based on if they agree with me or I agree with them. Blah blah blah. And We've just gotten so swelled with knowledge and like information and and you know devotional books and new curriculum and new books coming out and everything, so it's just fattening us up. And yet, we're not actually doing the assignment. Making disciples, being a witness, walking in the power of God. And I'm telling you, I am personally very convicted about this. I love LifePoint, but I will not pastor a Christian enterprise. I won't do it. I want us to be a church so desperate for the power of God and to see Clarksville and Fort Campbell and Hopkinsville and all of Kentucky and the area that we're in, reach for Jesus. Can I tell you something? That's what I pray over all the churches in this town. That's our Jerusalem. That we would be so empowered by the Holy Spirit that we would be people who leave here and don't just invite them to church. Invite them to Jesus. Invite them to a Bible study. Invite them to your small group. Invite them to prayer closet. Invite them to know Christ. Am I making sense today? Jesus said, you will receive power to be a witness, power to be a witness, power to be my witness. So I just, I'm, I'm wrestling through this, and I, I'm just asking questions of myself that I want to ask of you. Do I love Jesus, and do I love what he wants me to do? It's easy for me because I'm a professional preacher. Like, I can get the gold pass because I preach every Sunday. But I live, like, in Clarksville Monday through Saturday. And I go to restaurants and gas stations, and I go to every place else too, you know? so I am mean, like, every place else? I'm in your backyard watching you. Creepy. <laughs> do I love Jesus, and do I love this mission? Do I love this assignment to make disciples, to be a witness? Do I want his power in my life to just be a better Christian? Or do I want his power to help others become Christians? Will I receive Jesus not only as Savior, but will I receive the Holy Spirit and give him access to my life so that others can know him too? And listen, even if it costs me something, what if we give God every part of us? And what if we allow God to use us to reach this city for Jesus? I'm telling you, Pastor Sam Johnson really stirred some things in me. But I think there's a reason we're in the book of Acts for the next two years. Because I think the church that we will be is not the church we are. And I am absolutely pleading with you, LifePoint, that you would beg the Lord to empower you to tell others about him. And what it will do is it will make our church really messy. Just overflow everywhere and people that don't look like us, date like us, dance like us, vote like us. And I can't wait. Because it's going to really mess with some of you. You're going to be like, I can't believe the kind of people that come here. And they're going to be like, I can't believe the kind of people that invited me here. And I can't wait, because you're all going to get to heaven one day and be really surprised. They let you in here? I just, I'm pleading with you. Can we be about the Father's business? Can we stop worrying about, you know, our brand, our style, what we demand of God and of his church? Jesus like, don't worry about that. You'll receive power to be a witness. And you go, I don't know what to say. It's his power. I don't know who to tell. He'll tell you. What if I lose my job? It's okay. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? Can we do this? If, uh, I just want everybody to just bow your head. I'm going to close this out in prayer. I went too long. I'm sorry. It's the worship leader's fault. <clears throat> hey, however you need to respond to this message today, I first want to ask you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, today's your day. Like he gave, his inter- he gave his whole life for you and raised from the dead so that you can have eternal life and victory over sin. He gave it all for you. We sang about it earlier. The blood of Jesus cleanses your sin. And if you've never accepted that incredible gift, I want to invite you right now to do it. Nobody's looking around. Come on. Heads bowed, eyes closed, that whole deal. If you say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord, I want to live for him. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? You don't have to move at all. I just want to ask you to lift your hand and let me see it. Come on. Thank you. Anybody else? Wow. That's a lot of you. Now I want to ask you if this message has stirred you towards the kingdom of God and what God has for us. And you're realizing, like, there's an assignment for us, and now his spirit's going to help me do it. And you say, Pastor, I want to be about his assignment. I want to be about what God wants. And you say, I want to be a witness. I just want to ask you if you would just boldly just stand up, because I want to pray over you. Say, Pastor, I want to be a witness in my city, in my company, in my neighborhood, in my job, in my house. That's great. Come on. Say, I want to be a witness for the gospel. And I believe the Spirit of God is going to help you. Come on, if that's you, just stand up. And everybody do this if you're standing. Come on, open your hands to the Lord. And if you pray, If you're saying, I want to follow Jesus, this is your prayer as well. We're going to start together on that. Everybody pray this with me. Say, God, I believe in Jesus, that He died for my sin so that I can live my life completely for Him. Say, I yield my heart, I yield my hands, I yield my whole self to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Forgive me of my sin. Say, I repent for any wrongdoing or trying to lead my own life. Say, I'm all in, Jesus, to God be the glory. Now, every one of you that stood and said, God, use me, come on, hands up to the Lord. Say, God, here I am. Use me. Put your hand on your heart. Say, fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Baptize me, Holy Spirit. Empower me, Lord, to be a witness for your gospel in Jesus' name. I'll never be the same because you're a part of my life. Say, I'm all in, I'm all yours. To God be the glory in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, we pray for every family member that's going to be impacted. We pray for every coworker that's going to be impacted. We pray for every neighborhood member that's going to be impacted. God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you that, Lord, you are going to change this city, change our church, change our community. Because, God, you are going to empower us to be a witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Put the right words in our mouths, Lord God. Put the right spirit in us, Lord God, that we would be as bold as a lion, that we would be willing to be a witness even if it costs us something. John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. Lord, we pray over that in Jesus' name that you would empower us to be a witness to God be the glory.